Hi, I'm Neil Pretorius. I'm the uh, Chief Executive Officer of DRD Gold. We are a listed company, Johannesburg Stock Exchange, as well as the New York Stock Exchange. Our operations are in Johannesburg, and we focus exclusively on the, the retreatment of old uh, gold tailings. Neil, thank you for the introduction. Really good to be here talking to you. Um, very much looking forward to this. Uh, it's labelled a technical uh, interview. So I'd like to get into the talking about the, the, the projects and uh, how you manage your operations and how you manage your costs and the, the outlook on all of that. But um, before we get into it, Back in the day when I was an analyst in the city 20 odd years ago, um, one of the things I used to look at was Harmony and um, DRD um, Gold as these kind of leverage plays on the gold price. And when I was researching for this interview, looking at it, I could see your share price was actually uh, very similar in some ways, kind of an exaggerated uh, outline of the gold price. And it's funny that it's gone from being an, an underground operating entity to being uh, of... Um, relatively small volume to being a surface retreatment company of relatively small volume. But in a sense, you've, kind of, you've still got that leverage to the gold price. Um, I, perhaps you could kind of give me your thoughts about where the company is now relative to where it was as an investment proposition. Yes, no, no certainly. And, and the point you make is, a, is, is a, an accurate one. <laughs> the, uh, we have transitioned fully from deep level underground mining. Uh, into uh, into the retreatment of tailing of tailing. So all the gold that we produce now, we produce from uh, old mine waste. Uh, we we do not add. We we make the point, especially in the current climate, with focus on ESG. We do not produce any additional waste. We just retreat the waste that's already out there. But um, I suppose trading patterns are established over many many years, and and you do want to retain what's good in in a. In and how the market deals with, with an asset. So whilst I think the business has become far more stable uh, in terms of outlook, in terms of performance, uh, no longer exposed to the uh, those risks that are peculiar to the deep level underground mining environment, we deliberately uh, do not take any forward cover. So we, we take full exposure to the gold price. Uh, and, and whilst we have a very healthy dividend uh, legacy. We've been paying dividends now for the last 15 odd years and, and things are looking up also for another one. So for a 16th consecutive year. And we say to the market, um, if you buy the stock, then there is a four, five, six percent return on that. Um, in addition to that, we do offer full exposure to the gold price. We don't hedge. So if you believe you understand the gold price and, and the dynamics that affect the gold price, then there's also some uh, upside potential that you could take advantage of here. And, and the nature of trading in the stock is such that you you could really take advantage of movements in the gold price both directions. Uh, it's, it's a stock that uh, is oftentimes um, very significantly shorted, especially in the United States, where we think we've, we've had periods where uh, you had up to two weeks uh, of, of trade in, um, in, uh, in, uh, in the short position. Um, I think it's very brave to do that sort of thing, especially with the, the frequency and amplitude of, of, uh, of cycles nowadays, but you know, people do that. And, and obviously also it, it follows the gold price back up again. So, so we do say to the market, um, even those who are long DRD uh, do trade the stock, they do trade their portfolio, and, and we offer that opportunity, I believe, by, by taking full exposure to the gold price. And we don't want to change that. I mean, we want to show the market that you know, we have a handle on our costs. We understand our risks. We invest in the right sort of infrastructure. Um, 
and uh, you know, we'll we'll manage we'll manage a gold business. You manage the the the, the finances associated or the dynamics associated with with gold price. Um, we're not bankers; we mine. So, so in a sense, leave it to. Um, the the investor to choose whether they want exposure to gold or not, but you'll manage what you can control, which is the 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 operation on the ground. Exactly. If if you want fixed income, then invest in fixed income. If you want exposure to the gold price, here's an opportunity to do that. We're not going to be a gold miner pretending to be fixed income. Interesting. Um, now, w- one of the features of DRD in the old days was was um, it's it's leveraged the gold price as in kind of relatively slim margins and you, you you've said you've been in kind of you, you run a stable operating environment i i could see from your recent financials that you've got a margin of just under 20 percent how have you managed that to maintain that margin in this very dynamic price environment where not only have you had metal price changes but you've also had uh your raw input changes there's so much uh, uh volatility in your underlying cost structure yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the operating margins between 32 and 35%, and the all in sustaining margin sovereign between 16 and 23. But as you point out, um, you've got to be very mindful of your costs because coming out of COVID, we, we have seen uh, some logistical pressures. Uh, global logistics have not fully recovered uh, following COVID. And although we haven't really had uh, instances where we completely ran out of certain reagents or supplies. We've got to manage it very carefully, more carefully than what we did in the past. Also in our capital investment programs, you have to plan your, your, your programs, your, um, uh, the components that, that form part of your projects. You've got to order those well in advance, uh, because just in time is, is, is a distant fantasy concept. It, it simply no longer applies. Um, having said that, um, the, the margin is also attributable not just to, to how you manage your costs, but, but it's, it's also a function of gold price. And, and although gold sentiment has been bearish for quite some time now, uh, that this, if, if this is a, a, a bad gold price, it's actually a very good bad gold price. So, so the dynamics that impact gold price, especially in dollar terms, and notwithstanding the fact that we've had a very strong dollar, uh, in fact, the dollar is one of the few currencies that out- that's outperformed the gold price in the last year. Notwithstanding that, um, the fact that the dollar is very, very strong, um, if, if you just look at, at everything that impacts our operations and the, the profitability of our operations and our, our exchange rate, um, the margins have been healthy, in part due to the fact that the gold price has been good. You, you do have to be very, very disciplined about your, uh, your costs, um, and you need to understand your cost profile really well. Um, and if you would, were to look at it, the, the presentation that we recently did uh, in, in New York um, and also in, in Switzerland, uh, we provide a breakdown of our costs. And you'll see that that wheel looks like that pie graph looks slightly different compared to uh, your typical deep level underground mine. We do not have the extent of exposure to electricity, for example, electricity costs. Neither do we have similar exposure to labor costs. Our costs lie more in reagents. And, and these are things that I think you can manage if you if you do it carefully. And we cost on a per ton basis. So we, we literally look at what the, the cost for every ton that we process, and we do between 25 and 30 million tons per year. We, we look at the costs of every single ton and we allocate costs on a per ton basis. So we know what the costs per ton are, what the, uh, the breakdown of, of those costs, what that looks like, and also what the revenue per ton is. Um, and, and you've got to manage it on, you know, with, with that 
level of, of, of accuracy in order to understand it well enough. Because um, bad discipline and good discipline, it, 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 it both apply equally. If you're really disciplined and you could save two cents per ton, you multiply that by two million per month, and you know you've got you've got four million cents over a year. That's a lot of money. You know that could be ten percent of your dividend. You you do it the other way around. You start becoming a little bit uh, lethargic or lazy or complacent rather when it comes to your costs, and you say, "Well, two cents here and five cents there doesn't really make a difference." Um, uh, it does make a big difference. And I suppose that's where, when you talk to third parties about bringing in resources, because 99.9% of what we mine, we earn, but we do bring in resources from time to time, provided we can verify source. And uh, uh, sometimes you would find it makes negotiating a little bit harder because a third party would think, you would literally think I'm sitting on a gold mine, but he's not, he's sitting on a, on a pile of waste. Uh, once you start breaking down those costs on a per ton basis, they, they do remain marginal and it's and it's scale and uh, and throughput that, that really make the difference in the final analysis. And so, so the the the, uh, the cost differentiator you're talking there is logistics is the tr is the infrastructure required to to get that low grade material from their site to your site or to install a new processing facility at their site or either or both. Well, it, well, typically, you know, if, if you were to approach a third party, some of them just don't get it. Um, and that's why some of the dumps in, in Johannesburg still remain un, unexplored, you know, unmined, unfeated. Um, the, the, uh, uh, the thinking would be that, you know, I, I ought to, I ought to claim a percentage of, of the gold content here. Yeah. Um, but the, right. the, the, the there's, little, there's not sufficient appreciation of the infrastructure point that you made that's required to, to link it up. With, with the rest of the uh, the plant infrastructure, with the rest of the circuit, uh, and, and there's not an appreciation of just how, how marginal that really is on a on a per ton basis if you start doing that breakdown of the costs. Yeah, Neil, thank you, thank you for all of that. I realise what what we need to do is could you could we just step back and could you just describe the two operations you've got and tell me a little bit about how and, and the viewer how much the um you know how that process works. Yes, yeah, certainly. So, so we have uh, two main operating areas: the, um, uh, the the primary operating area, the one that, uh, that that that's sort of let's call it the mothership, is in the East Rand. It's called Ergo. Um, there's a, there's a smaller plant that forms part of the the Ergo setup. It's an integrated setup uh, called Knights, uh, and there we process mostly at Ergo. We process mostly lower grade material it's a high volume plant so lower lower grade high volume um, and we have between 12 and 15 active sites uh, that, that deliver material or where we are busy either with uh, cleanup and, and final closure associated with the cost profile of ergo so it's, it's a fairly complicated or a complex uh, recovery um, business with with many different moving parts um, and on average, about 1.8 million tons of, of material uh, would be processed through this plant on, on a monthly basis. It also makes use of one of the, the largest tailings facilities in, in Southern Africa uh, for the, the final um, disposal of, of the reprocessed waste. So the, the waste that we process does not get backfilled. It doesn't go back to where it came from. It gets moved to, to a different site, and, and the site has managed uh, Towards the standards of, of the ICMM and, and, and that which has been published by the GISDM. So, so the sort of the whole governance structure um, is, um, is informed by by those standards. 
the, the process is to, to, to wash the material with a high pressure, uh, high pr uh, pressure device uh, into a sump uh, and then it gets pumped through a, a network of slurry lines to the, the processing plant. So you've got 12 to 15 of those places where you've got, a, you've got 12 to 15 sumps. So you've got 12 to 15 different places where you've got these high pressure jets going in, washing the, the tailings into a sump and then connecting to a not, not, facility. Not, not quite as many uh, areas or sumps where we pump from, um, but maybe just less than half of those are, are in fact areas where slurry from a number of different monitor guns would find its way into a sump. Some of the, some of the active sites are sites where we mechanically move material as part of final cleanup. A cleanup also involves the reprocessing of material lifted from site uh, as, as, as part of the clo closure process. The fortunate part of it is that you can, you can soften the impact of having to, to bring about final closure by, in fact, reprocessing the material for gold. And it's not always 100% profitable, but, uh, but it, it still it softens the impact of those costs. You know, it's, it's not a pure rehabilitation cost or an outflow fund. It's a, it offsets in many instances, in most instances, in fact, it, it does offset the, the cost of closure quite substantially. The reason why I mentioned the number of different sites is just to also later on emphasize, emphasize the, the difference between uh, uh, the Ergo site and the, the Far West Gold site, which is the, the, the second site we have and which we acquired from Sabanya Stillwater a few years ago. Um, but so, so this network of pipelines, and they're fairly extensive, we pump up to 60 kilometers uh, and return the water then back to the site because the water stays in a closed circuit as well. Again, mostly grey water, where very little potable water finds its way into our circuit. It's mostly recycled uh, grey water that stays in circuit that gets pumped back to the, the slurry site after it's been delivered to the, uh, the plant and, and the, uh, the waste has been delivered to the tailings deposition facility. Water goes all the way back. The plant itself is a, a fairly conventional setup. It's, it's uh, carbon and leach, uh, so it involves cyanidation, uh, carbon, carbon loading, uh, and smelting, and uh, uh, uh and smelting. The the gold that's in the tailings has already been processed once because it's um or because um, it's gone through. Do you need to regrind it, or is it simply that you've got better reagents? Um, the the better flocculants, better uh, hydro metallurgy, and better chemistry now than when they were originally mined. Or do you have to do some kind of liberation as well, physical liberation? We we, we do we do a bit of of, of uh, uh, cycloning uh, some of, in some of the circuits. So so there is a measure of milling, but it's a, a relatively small percentage of the total throughput that finds its way into a milling circuit. Most of the material that we're processing now, um, it's ground to a fraction where you could you could treat it. You just need to manage your densities very very carefully. So you'll you'll find that there's a, a set of uh, of thickeners. Um, you deliver it into plant at a particular density, and then you you uh, adjust the density for optimal um, uh, leaching and, and, and cyanidation. I, talking to a metallurgist friend of mine, he said that quite a lot of the innovation in recent years has been about um, agitation and about um in 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 the tanks to make sure that the flows are correct the circulation systems are 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 appropriate is, is, is that I mean, i'm just trying i'm just trying to get my head around how do you take something which has been through a plant once and recover gold from it no certainly uh, look I, I think the, the the pumping itself also maybe it does it does 
let's call it polish the parting a little bit. So you, you might have more exposed surface as a consequence of the fact that, that it's, it's a turbulent process. You don't have laminar flow in these pipes, you have turbulent flow in these pipes. Laminar flow leads to stratification and ultimately choking or settling down of material. So, so it is, it is uh, it's, it's turbulent flow. It finds its way in, uh, in, the, um, uh, in the plant itself. Uh, I think some, some of the um, uh, improvements that's been made, that have been made in terms of recovery is the introduction of additional energy. Like this, let's call it a giant spoon, the agitation. Uh, you, you've got to do it very carefully, though, because you don't want to break down the carbon in the circuit. Um, if, if you do agitate too aggressively, where you've already introduced carbon, you might, uh, you might cause the carbon to break up, and those carbon fines might find its way through the screen and you could lose material that way. But uh, agitation and also introducing uh, oxygen under pressure. Um, uh, the, 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 those are two measures that have, that have been introduced and, and the more, I think, monitored circumstances or more monitored conditions and that have certainly added to the, um, uh, the efficiency of the extraction efficiency of these plots. Um, I think something else that is also, you know, that's, that's made a big difference in, in how we uh, manage particularly the the high the high volume plant as just the the nature of of monitoring um, so yeah a, a normal conventional plant is is managed i wouldn't say reactively but but you can react to what you observe you observe and then you adjust you see something or you measure something and then you adjust accordingly whereas a plant of this magnitude is, is managed more proactively so you you have you have to set it up in a particular according to a particular recipe to use uh, and, and excuse the fact that this is an oversimplification, but it's, it's the best way to explain it. It's, it's the way the difference between making a, a sauce, a pasta sauce, the difference between cooking and baking. If you cook, you, you you taste and then you add a bit of spice. If you bake, the whole mix goes into you know it gets prepared, gets stuck in an oven, and you take it out two hours later. And whatever you stuck in the oven, provided that the temperature was right, you know that determines the outcome. And our plants is, is more, more sort of the second process. You've got to set it up proactively, and then you need to identify, and we have identified, I believe, most of the, the key dynamics that impact um, operating efficiency, that impact performance. And those you, you have to manage and monitor. We, in fact, monitor those on a 24-7 basis. So we, we don't take sort of spot checks. We, we monitor it. So when you look at plant performance, you look at a graph. With a, with a with a you know a pen that draws a piece of paper on on a graph that rolls, so you can see this is where the pH was, and then this is how the pH is trending. This is where the oxygen levels were, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, this is the temperature and the illusion uh, in the uh, illusion tax, etc. Um, or circuit rather, um, and the and and those are then kept within range, and you optimize the performance of the plant by with gentle tweaking and by trying to get these ranges to become tighter uh, and, and narrower. Um, but very seldom that you have something nowadays that goes completely out of sync, uh, temperature-wise or density-wise or, you know, any of those things that in the past may have gone out of sync and where you reactively uh, address them with you know, adding or, or withholding cyanide or not cyanide, uh, uh, lime, for example, you know, in, in order to, to manage your pH, etc., etc. These things are, are managed in a far tighter and a narrower range. And then there's several of them, eight, nine of them that, that get monitored. The conversation also around the table, when you listen to the operating, 
to the operating uh, management of the plant management. So when, when they talk, the operators, and then I, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I'm, I'm the one listening in. I don't really participate in that conversation because I have limited understanding of what it is that they do. Uh, I, I have a legal background, but if, if you listen to the conversations now compared to what they sounded like a few years ago, it's far more analytical. So, but what does this trending tell us and what is trending tell us? As opposed to tell me where you are in terms of flock. Tell me where you are in terms of uh, carbon. Tell me where you are in terms of oxygen or pH. Uh, and, and then move it back to that. It's already there. The plant's where it's supposed to be. Let's debate its performance. What we can do about it. And is, is that a conversation which has evolved through the management and the development of um, of Ergo and uh, Far West? You know, is, is it something that the guys have learned on the on the job, so to speak? I believe it's a consequence of how we decided to to manage the flow of information. So instead of having a, a, a command control sort of flow of information. Uh, or let's call it a, a, a typical um, mining um, comms methodology. We decided to just make all of this information available so everybody sees the information. You very seldom report information. The information reports itself through the system. It's an automated uh, monitoring system. Not everything, but I'm talking about these, these key dynamics now. So, uh, so, so everybody sees all of the information and everybody on, on your way to a meeting, on your way back from work, on your way to work, you're thinking through. So what is it? What, what am I seeing and why is it behaving the way that it does? And I think spontaneously the conversations sort of then just developed into that direction. So you no longer go to your manager and say, this is what the plant's telling us. And then you receive your instructions. You go to your manager and the conversation is, I wonder why it's behaving like this. Or do you think if we did that, it might be a little bit better, et cetera, et cetera. So you combine all of these different things. You know, the fact that you've got massive throughput, the fact that you, that you have these little tweaks in, in, uh, in process, like your oxygen and your agitation, et cetera, et cetera. The fact that you've de developed a recipe over time and that you've set it up in order to be able to monitor it properly and keep it sort of within range. And then this, this, this approach, this, this management system of, of how we converse about it, how we, how we, um, uh, the, the, the nature and the content of the conversations that we have about it. And, and suddenly, you know, when, when you look at a, at your, your sheet at the end of the month, and in fact, we look at it three times or four times a day, but if you look at your report at the end of the month and you see, but actually the residues are trending favorably instead of a, of a, of a point, um, uh, instead of a point one five two, we actually manage a point one five zero this month. Uh, and, and, and it's only because, you know, that tiny little bit of uh, tweaking in, in the approach is, is brought about. And, and, and that's how, that's how the two million ton a month, uh, circuit that, that, that's how it either makes money or how it loses money through, through that. And, sort of um, methodology. can you just tell me how old are the, Excuse me. How old are the tailings? You know, um, was this mined in the? You know, when 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 were these tailings dumps laid down? Yeah. So so, so most of the ones that we've got now, there, there are still some some pre Second World War dumps, um, but but not many, uh, not not many. Most of those have been mined out. So so most of the the dumps that are going, that are coming through our circuit now are, are dumps that um, are younger, sort of post Second World War, sort of. 40s and, and then onwards in, in the era past that. They, I mean, some of them were obviously created before then, and, and, and um, um, but they grew bigger afterwards. They, they contain a very significant percentage of material. 
that's, that was deposited post Second World War, but you don't really have many of the, the really old tailings left. So if you're looking at sort of the average in situ grade, then you know, it's anything between uh, 0.26 gram a ton to 0 0.34, 0 0.32 thereabouts. And and the 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 kind of the, the heyday, the golden day, or the kind of the, the volume days of the South African mining industry were sixties, seventies, and eighties. Is that right? Yes, that that's correct. I mean, they had like half a million uh, people working for the mining industry, and then very significant volume throughput as well. And that's where you sometimes uh, strike a bit of, of of good fortune was where the the, the 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 volume throughput at the time was such because of the the quality of uh, of the ore body. Uh, that the mine at the time maybe would have sacrificed a little bit of, of efficiency uh, in favor of, of volume throughput. Um, you know, if if you're mining a reef that's that's 18 gram a ton or 16 gram a ton, whatever, you're not going to lose too much sleep over 0 0.02 or 0 0.03 gram of material left behind. Um, so so that, that that's not going to be a, a big issue for you. You'd rather process more and and maybe leave a tiny bit behind, which which doesn't even doesn't even move the dial in terms of your recovery efficiency standard. So you want to, uh, um, your good days are a reflection of um, bad plant recovery days back in the day. Oh, and, 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 and sometimes intentionally so, as I say, sometimes, you know, some of these plants were run for throughput and not so much for efficiency. If, and they could, they could change their mind if they wanted to, but why would they? Because they're mining 20 gram a ton. Where are you... Um... I know. You, tell me about kind of mine life and the deal with Sibania and um, Far West, and you know what, what the profile looks like going forward. Yes, certainly. So I, I told you about Ergo, and, and I never got to Far West Gold. So Far West Gold was was the uh, uh, it's the second part of, of the business. It's the the second uh, operating footprint that we have, um, and and we were very pleased to to be able to do that because uh, it does have some of the the best quality. Um, on surface stockpiles, other people call them waste dumps. You know, we in our, in our universe they call stockpiles um, in South Africa because that's where they're situated. That whole Western Deep Levels Curve, uh, Trifontein, that whole area, exceptionally high grades were mined in that particular area. So we were very keen on this project that was started by Goldfields many years back, uh, and when Sabanya Stillwater was established, or Sabanya Gold, as it was initially referred to, uh, obviously that came with a deal. And, and we were very fortunate to uh, to be given the opportunity to uh, acquire that. Um, but the acquisition essentially made us a part of the Sabanya Stillwater Group because uh, Sabanya Stillwater now owns 50.1% of the issued shares in BRD Gold. Uh, it was a two-stage transaction. The project was acquired for 38% of DRD Gold, and then subsequently Sabanya Stillwater subscribed for an additional 12% uh, to take its position to 50.1%. Uh, and that was with a, a cash subscription of just over a billion rand, um, uh, just over $80 million at the time, with, with no strings attached, obviously other than deal with it responsibly. Uh, and uh, th that money is being used to further develop the Far West Gold circuit. So it's, it's a beautiful uh, circuit. It's, at the moment, it's still only retreating one, one dam. Uh, it's busy establishing site for a second one that's um, targeted to come online in in the second quarter of the calendar quarter of next calendar year. And uh, uh, it's only about 500,000 tons a month. So it's about 25% you know, of the throughput of, uh, of Ergo. 
um, but significantly so, higher grades. So, 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 so the the one dam already is doing couple two hundred thousand tons per month. No, no, it's, it's doing five hundred thousand. So we, we 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 will have depleted the first one, and we'll move on to the second one uh, okay. during the course of next year, maintaining about five hundred thousand tons a month. Um, and it's um, yeah, it's a it's a very simple. Uh, relatively speaking, a, a simple process because it's one recovery site, it's only one active site and one deposition site um, with a, a plant that is quite a bit smaller than the, the ergo plant. Uh, but it has its own set of metallurgical challenges. They had to put in a, a carbon extraction uh, component in, in their process flow because there were significant quantities of carbon and we believe that that may be one of the reasons why it wasn't started earlier. There's signs on one of the dams that there was an attempt made at one stage. In fact, we know that there was to, to mine that dam. But, when, uh, sorry, when, when you talk about carbon extraction, as in this graphite in the um, in the in the tailings dam, or is it carbon from the previous carbon leach process? Sorry, I meant to say copper. Did I say carbon? You did say car. I mean, I, it might have been the connection. Okay, so the oh, copper, sorry. the <laughs> copper is the copper is um, preg robbing, is it? So the the reagents react with the copper preferentially to the gold. Well, yeah, and 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 it also it, it plays havoc with your with your smelting uh, and and with your electrowinning rather. Um, so so it it does impact your your efficiency, and a higher copper content in your gold bar in your dore bar also attracts a penalty from Rand refinery. So it does find its way. It sort of accompanies gold all the way, um, and then you have too high a percentage in your in your breakdown in your uh, your, your makeup of your dore bar, uh, and those penalties are quite significant. So it's, it's it's pulled out. It's getting pulled out now. There is a, a, a little copper copper circuit, little uh, a little <laughs> call it a mini plot. <laughs> copper comes out, and, and it's insignificant quantities. You know, it's it's, it's not something that's commercially. Uh, that that can become part of the the commercial makeup of this plant, but uh, it, it did introduce some some metallurgical complexity. That's now been dealt with, so we're now getting a much higher uh, percentage of of the uh, gold that gets sent to Rand Refinery recognised. We don't have these penalties anymore. Basically, paid for itself in I think three or four months. This little circuit, just because of the the avoidance of these penalties uh, or additional charges, I suppose would be a, a more accurate description. Um, so very, very simple, and uh, it's got a long life. Uh, it's 250 million tons uh, of, um, you know, on average, higher-grade material than what we're mining at Ergo. Uh, and, and ultimately, what we want to do there, and, and you will see some of those capital numbers coming through now, is uh, double the size of the plant. Uh, the plant does have a capacity of 600,000 tons a month. We, we're using 500. At the moment, because that the rate, that is the rate at which we can store tailings, we can move tailings onto our tailings deposition facility. Um, we um, have agreed with Sabanya Stillwater to um, also uh, convert one of their tailings that that has spare capacity uh, uh, to become the let's call it a, a second interim storage facility. They would be able to to take volume to about seven hundred and fifty thousand tons per month. Um, and that we're targeting 2025 uh, to, to start work there. And then ultimately, the site needs a, a an own large tailings facility. We call it the RTSF, the Regional Tailings Storage Facility. Um, everything in mining is an acronym, and that also takes a while to master. I was going to say, it's a, it's a particularly South African um, habit as well, you know, the, the acronyms. 
<laughs> yeah. So so that 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 that'll hopefully uh, will hopefully start construction with that about 2026. We um, we're wanting to uh, to have a conversation with the regulator on some of the design specifications. It's been licensed and it's been approved, but we believe that we have a, a containment uh, solution that is far more cost efficient, that is less risky, uh, and that is no less uh, effective than, than what is currently stipulated in the conditions for this dam. We believe it's going to take two to three years to get through that process, and hopefully it will be approved. We think that on merit, and not just merit in terms of what the regulator demands, but in terms of what global community now demands in terms of environmental governance. We believe we have a solution for that. And then we can build a big, a big dam uh, to further extend the life of this operation. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing of beauty uh, in its simplicity and in its neatness and just in its efficiency. So it's, it's a wonderful circuit to have uh, as part of the, part of the business. And it's really also, I mean, at, at, at Ergo, Ergo is like, it's like an American battleship, you know, it works exceptionally well. But it's it's tough. It's hard. You know, you've got to understand it. You can't make mistakes. And what you learn there, you're going to apply it anywhere else. And anything else is just so simple. Um, so we've got a wonderful combination, I think, of, of circuits at the moment. Um, what's the um, what's the what's the tonnage you've got at uh, Ergo in in the in the wider area? Oh, no, it's vast. Uh, the I think currently we we recently just brought out our. Uh, uh, technical report summaries, and, and they were the SEC. Um, so, um, and I might be incorrect. I may just have to check this, but I think it's 12 years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but that that is also based on available deposition space. Uh, so there too, we're working at, at expanding the the amount of of tailing storage capacity that we have, and and then it too could be expanded or extended in terms of life and mind quite significantly. Uh, there you won't see an increase in in Production, so that would be more a case of uh, producing at the same level or similar levels for a longer period of time by having created additional capacity. Whereas at far west, you're in fact looking at a at an increase in in production once the second circuit comes in, and ultimately once it runs at full capacity at 1.2 million tons a month. So what you've described is a very very stable operation, and we come almost kind of full circle in the conversation to what we started with, which is that you've got um, the the expansion in far west. If I understand it right, is likely to come through in a couple of years' time, in kind of mid 2025. So at least for the next two years, you've got a stable production base, um, and it's your job to manage the the input costs as best you can and then it's the job of the investor to to uh judge the investment case relative to the gold price yes look i think i think the reason why we have a measure of stability in the business at the moment is because of um a whole host of, of capital investments capital infrastructure investments that have been made over the years um, for example, we have very extensive diesel backup, diesel, power generating capacity. These are massive diesel generators to to um, uh, to serve as backup capacity in the event that there's a there's, that there's an interruption in the supply of power. Because we're dealing with with tailings and with slurry, uh, it has to stay in motion. If it if it settles, then it chokes. It takes weeks to to clear. If if a, if a thickener uh, trips. Um, because you, you can't keep it in motion, um, then it's, it's a two, three week interruption in the performance of that thickener. So, so, that, so, so we've had that over many, many years of that backup capacity. 
Um, you know, we, we've introduced measures to also deal with the impacts of, of climate change. The method of mining has changed to, to keep dirty and, and, and clean water separate so that you don't have to accommodate everything through your plant because that causes all sorts of things with your, your densities, the impacts your densities and so forth and so forth. So there have been a number of these. Water, for example, the availability of water, we uh, relied extensively on uh, the um, supplier of potable water in Johannesburg for water. Now 90% of our water is grey water, and that was also a deliberate decision taking, taken many years ago. And we have, a, I think, a very elegant integrated water circuit that, that pushes water into the most remote corners of the business, but also brings it back only to push it back again. So it stays in a, in a closed circuit. And these are things that, without realizing it almost, I think also the, the attention to, to, to what staff do, um, uh, being more of an operator as opposed to a laborer, encouraging them to think, become part of the process, etc. All of these things, I think, have, have uh, contributed. I mentioned the, the way that we deal with information and how that conversation takes place. All of these things have contributed, I believe, to creating a business that, that, operates far more, uh, that, that's far more stable, uh, that's far more predictable. Uh, but, you know, you, you cannot stop because there's always something else happening. At the moment, power in South Africa, electricity, is a big issue. And then you will have seen in, in our presentations that we've uh, budgeted just over $40 million for the next year to build a 20 megawatt solar power station and also accompanying power storage capacity. Uh, so, so there's always something new that you've got to deal with. Uh, the look and the feel and, and, and the, the underlying sort of value system in, in how we manage security, asset protection and people protection and so forth. Uh, it's not just a matter of capacity, but it's also the, the governance framework and the guidance, the values in terms of which they, they are um, trained to, to react. To, to maintain proportionality, et cetera, et cetera. So these are things that you, you've got to keep on going. You have to be very aware of, of where you are. We're in South Africa, where things have not been going particularly well on a number of issues. You know, we, we have a growing body of, uh, of, of of very angry, disillusioned citizens because they're poor, they have no hope, and they don't get any services. Uh, how do you manage that, et cetera, et cetera. So amidst that, I think, you know, we've managed to establish over time something that, that is fit for purpose and that is that is fit for the environment within which it's operating. And, and we just need to continue to, to do that because the ore body that we've got here is just, it's just too good to ignore. It's just too good to walk away from. There isn't another ore body of the size and scale with the available infrastructure that admittedly does need to be supplemented somewhat from the private sector here and there, but nowhere else does this exist. So, you know, you've got to really understand your risks and, and invest towards those risks in order to make sure that you could take full advantage of this. I can't go to, you know, Fraser Institute saying that South Africa is one of the worst places you know, to, to go and invest. Maybe so, if you relied entirely upon the sort of environment that create, gets created for you. But if you get busy and start investing in some of those risks, and if you take ownership of some of those risks and create your own infrastructure and collaborate with other players in the, in the industry, suddenly before you know it, it could be one of the best jurisdictions within which to function as a, a business of this nature. It doesn't take away some of the unpleasantness that we've got experienced, but you can create your own environment and deal with some of those risks uh, to the point where it becomes very, very attractive. And I think that's what we've got. I think we've got an exceptionally attractive business with a wonderful future, provided we continue to do the things that we've been doing. We just do them faster. Thank you. That's a, that's a very impassioned um 
It's <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fantastic. It's, um, no, I mean, because I've worked, I lived and worked in South Africa for many years. And um, one of the things that always struck me was the, just, I just by the, I, in, in some ways it's isolation. Um, uh, it's, and that's kind of stems from a political isolation through the, 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 the bad years that we all know about. Um, you know, there's, there's always been a degree of self-reliance in, in South Africa. You just kind of get up and you do it, you do it yourself. You, what you haven't mentioned is labor. Um, how are you getting, um, I mean, <laughs> let's not talk about the rugby. Um, but, um, if, if you go to South Africa or the UK or, or, or Canada, there are a lot of South Africans living abroad. And we've got, we get a lot of the South African rugby players as well, who, who are doing extremely well in the club and of course in the internationals as well. But, um, as I said, I wouldn't talk about the rugby. Um, but you know, there are lots of mining engineers, metallurgists and geologists who have moved abroad. Um, what are you seeing about the, the, the education and the training, um, and the people and the skills, are you comfortable with, the, with that trajectory? I mean, you've mentioned the challenges on a host of other areas. Talk to me about the labor, please. Yes. Now, if, if, if I were comfortable with where it is, then, then I'd be living in, I'd be lying to myself. Uh, I'd be living in illusion. None of these things are comfortable. And it, and it takes discipline to, to, to manage those uh, properly. I mean, I, I do encourage my colleagues and they encourage me that uh, you know, when, when a youngster in the organization, when, what does he hear in the first five minutes in the morning when you're having coffee together? You know, what, how, what is your introduction to your day in that, that sort of that social interaction before you start working? Is it the 10 reasons why I'm moving to Australia or Canada, or is it the 15 reasons why I've decided to, to bat through the innings here and make it better? And, and we'd, prefer the, we'd prefer for it to be the latter. You've got to be realistic about it, though. I, I would, I, you know, I would venture a guess here. I would say, and I don't think I'm wrong, but I think that there has been, so there's political risk in South Africa. There are all sorts of things that can go wrong. And as a consequence, uh, both because of the reality of the situation, but also because of shareholder pressure, a lot of companies move on. And, and I tell you what, I'm, I'm convinced that, and in fact, I think I sort of witnessed it 15 years ago, 16 years ago in DRD Gold, maybe a bit longer, uh, 2003, 2004, how long is that? That's, uh, let's say 18 years ago. I think I sort of witnessed something similar to what I'm going to uh, describe to you now. When management moves on, they cause far more harm to a business than whatever political risk they're perceiving at that point in time. So there's this perception of political risk and it's overwhelming and the shareholders agree and say that you've got to move on and look what the Fraser Institute say. Not suggesting that those things don't exist, but they actually do exist. But the true impact of those risks, if left unattended, are less than the impact of a management that moves on in its own mind and decides this is no longer, this has become non-core. I mean, that's when we lose interest in an asset, that's what we say, it's become non-core. And then we move on to something with more, you know, that, that has more sex appeal. I think in South Africa, that's particularly true, where a lot of value has been left behind, left on the table, because management's moved on and it hasn't done what it still could do, but came to terms with its reality and it started owning and investing in its risk. And, and I think, look, it's easy for us to say, because everything we do is, is to sit on, it's already been stockpiled for us. But, but, but some of this actually did take a bit of effort. And, it, and it can, some of these things do still could require quite a bit, a bit of effort to, to do them properly. And if you do, it doesn't get any easier, but at least you see the results. 
And, uh, and I think what you're seeing here is, I mean, this is a company that um, where a lot of companies have lost interest that's treating, retreating waste. It's got $150 million on, 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 uh, in, in cash. It has no debt. Um, it's never, I mean, we hardly borrowed anything. We borrowed a little bit of money when we had to do the far west gold. But, but I think it, it really just it took what it had and optimized it with the right mindset and said, there's, there's something we can do about this risk. We can turn this into something good. And it had a board that allowed it to go and do those things and to fix its own mistakes as well. And, uh, and when the gold price turned and became really favorable, uh, I think this company could, could take advantage. So it's, I, I honestly believe that it's doable. It just requires, a very, requires the right sort of mindset. Neil, thank you so much. It's been absolutely fascinating talking to you. Um, I'm sure the viewers will enjoy this. Um, we've run out of our allotted time. Uh, I look forward to catching up with you another time, but um, thank you so much for this interview. Yeah, please come, come and visit us. I'd love to show you what the plant looks like, what a, what a, what a two million ton a month operation looks like. I look forward to that very much. Lovely. Thanks, Willard. Appreciate it.